Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports show from RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. In the program this week, the Highlanders still believe they're chasing respect despite being the Super Rugby champions. Nipples trans-Tasman competition is set for a shake-up. A disruptive Tommy Smith is left out of the All-Whites. And two more sailors are added to the New Zealand team for Rio. And we hear what gymnast Courtney McGregor did to celebrate her Rio selection. The Super Rugby title aspirations of both the competition leaders, the Crusaders, and the defending champions, the Highlanders, will get a reality check tonight when the two sides clash in Dunedin. The Crusaders have won their last eight games, losing only their season opener, and sit at the top of the competition ladder. The Highlanders hit their stride last round with a win over the previously high-flying Chiefs. There goes the siren. Smith's going to bang it into touch. of heartbreak and disappointment for Highlanders fans. They've won the Super Rugby title. They're the defending Super Rugby champions, but as far as the Highlanders are concerned, they still don't get the respect they deserve. They currently sit third overall in the New Zealand Conference and sixth overall in the competition. But a win over the Crusaders would help change all that and also send a message to the All Black selectors. None of the Highlanders' forwards made the All Blacks last year, and that still rankles with Highlanders hooker Ash Dixon, who says his namesake, flanker Elliot Dixon, was particularly unlucky to miss out on playing Test Match Rugby and will be one of many who has a point to prove tonight. He's out there, with, I guess, with a bit of chip on his shoulder, showing that he can play some footy, and I think most players, I guess, in our team probably have that mentality. You know, um, They don't get a lot of credit and that kind of way, so I think they... You know, they want to be motivated to play someone who probably does get a bit more accolades than them to play some good footy, so I think it is on the back of everyone's mind. The Highlanders may feel they don't get the respect they deserve, but Crusaders coach Todd Blackadder is an admirer, saying they're the form team of the competition. I sense much seeing there's a real level of excitement, I think, because of the Highlanders are playing so well and, you know, they really dismantled the Chiefs, so, you know, to go down there in a full crowd is pretty exciting for our guys. Playing really good teams, I think, is the greatest challenge. Tonight's match will be the Crusaders' first against the New Zealand side since they beat the Blues in early March. And Highlanders' assistant coach, Scott Robertson, knows there's always an extra edge to the Southern Derby. It's not something we focus on or talk about to the team, um, but the players, I think the players feel it. Um, definitely the, uh, the public feel it, and you know, talking to our friends and families around the place, um, no doubt it gets brought up in conversation. The Crusaders' full-back, Israel Dagg, says playing the Highlanders will be a litmus test of their own title aspirations, a title the Crusaders haven't won since 2008. Dag lines up against his Highlanders opposite and all-black incumbent Ben Smith. And he says these types of matches are the ones the players relish. The big Southern Derby and, you know, the Highlanders obviously playing pretty well lately and uh, they come off a pretty big win. So this is where the games you want to play, you want to test yourself against the best and, um, you know, we're under no illusions. We know this is going to be a big test and this test has come at the right time. 
The Crusaders have won six of the last seven games between the two sides. However, the Highlanders won the most recent encounter in round nine last year. Underrated they may be, but on current form and spurred on by a full house at Forsyth Bar Stadium, the Highlanders tonight can make a statement of their own, not only to the All Black selectors, but also the New Zealand rugby public. Stephen Hewson with that report, and this is Extra Time. The former Silver Fern Margaret Foster believes a split in the Trans-Tasman netball competition could help New Zealand netball in the long run. Australia appears certain to ditch the current format and instead each country will run their own round-robin competition with the possibility of the best teams then meeting in a final series. New Zealand sides have struggled in the competition and in last weekend's round all of the New Zealand teams were beaten by Australian sides with three of them going down by more than 20 goals. Foster, who also coached the tactics, says a split will allow New Zealand teams to get back to a New Zealand style of game. We've kind of lost our way a little bit in respect of, um, you know, like our teams haven't um, been performing um, highly against Australian teams. Like if you look at what the the um, goals um, difference were in the weekend, like one was 39 goals, one was 25, one was another 30, I believe. And that kind of can really, um, that can really irk um, on the, your side of confidence. And so maybe it's just going back, looking, going back to the drawing boards and, and like working in an environment where you're developing um, these um, athletes from New Zealand that we play our own New Zealand style. Like that's really what, what we're really good at, at doing. But what's kind of happened is that we, when we play against Australian teams, we tend to lose our style because we they play a completely different game, and then we try to like we try to do what they do, and yet we actually aren't even trained in it. So you know maybe it's best to to come come, come back to the drawing boards in New Zealand, look at what we do well, and it could be like zone you know like highlighting our zone defence, highlighting our flair and um, um, our finesse at what what we are strong at as New Zealanders. So do you think, in a way, it's been more discouraging for our players than actually encouraging? Because, as you say, we've struggled. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic, the only, uh, I think currently they're winless this season, but the only New Zealand team to win the competition. So you seem relaxed about a potential change. Well, you know, it, it, time's a funny thing, isn't it? If you ask, if you had have asked me this 24 hours ago, I was really like, oh gosh, this is this is a travesty for, um, in regards that we're not playing. But then after sleeping on it, I kind of, you know, like we it did our old format did work for us, and we were really successful on the world stage. My biggest thing is though about global success for our sport. And like, you know, if you took rugby, for, for example, imagine um, New Zealand saying to, to, um, to Australia, South Africa and J- Japan now and Argentina, oh, no, sorry, we want to play our own. Um, we, wanna, we only want to play against ourselves. We want to go back to our own rugby format um, and have it like a super five. I mean, you know, that's, rugby has been, become really successful um, and you know, like you've got youngsters playing it now over in America and China, um, African nations, and that t- to me is my biggest thing: is that new, um, sport, female sport, women playing sport throughout the world, having um, a, a really amazing competition where we're growing together, um, the two best 
um, countries in the world growing together and perhaps inviting in other countries to be part of um, a um, championships would be would be ideal. Yes, I was thinking that also. I mean, rugby's done that very successfully. We seem to be broadening out, not honing in. Yes, I know. And that's, a, that's the biggest um, discouragement I would see is that, you know, you want to grow your sport like in, in terms of, you know, like um, having, our net, having netball represented at the Olympics. I mean, that, surely that was an agenda for um, the International Netball Association to be looking at that. And how do we do that? Well, you know, like what? How do we do that? I don't believe it's by just going within your own little country and, and designing your own designing your own championships. I think we need to be a little bit more broader and be able to um, expand and grow and grow together. How much of this is about TV rights, Margaret, do you think? I think it's a lot, obviously, with um, like with the funding, especially for female sport, um, you know, TV rights. And, and look, I take my hat off to Australia that they're actually, and, you know, from, from their point of view, you know, it's, it's amazing that they're that, um, over there that they're actually embracing it because, you know, like netball has been a real, like they've been a poor cousin over there um, in terms of like with, with the ARL and the, um, and, and even rugby, but the, the um, Aussie um, rules. So, you know, for them, this, this is huge. This is a really cool thing for women in sport over in Australia. Is there any danger that our top New Zealand players, sensing that there's stronger competition in Australia and that high profile with the TV deal, might cross the Tasman and start playing for Australian teams? Yeah, I would think so. Like, you know, I know we've got one over there at the moment, Laura Langman, who's playing outstanding netball for the Sydney Swifts. So, you know, like, if you have a look at um, uh, some of our ageing silver ferns, and, you know, like when I mean that, that ones that just kind of like have a pittering at the end, near, near the end of their career um, and who are real stars in their own right, um, you know, like to be able to play week in, week out against top, you know, quality um, competition, yeah, I, I would consider, look, if I was there, I would be going over um making myself available to what, what to play in that particular competition. That's why, you know, New Zealand, um, you know, we have to ensure that our players, um, our, our teams are heavily competitive and there's some, you know, there's a carrot dangled out for, to keep our players here. That's Margaret Foster. And this is Extra Time. The all-whites career of defender Tommy Smith appears to be over. The New Zealand coach Anthony Hudson has left the Ipswich defender out of his 23-strong squad for the Oceania Nations Cup in Papua New Guinea later this month. The All-Whites captain Winston Reid is also missing, so he can recover from an English Premier League season disrupted by injury. Hudson told Matt Chatterton Smith only wanted to play for the All-Whites on his terms. Tommy's a um, good player, he's a good man, uh, it, it, this is not a, a personal uh, decision, it's, it's just t- Tommy has, you know, he, he's pulled out of this squad, made himself unavailable for this uh, this squad and it's not the first time and uh, you know he has, I understand his situation right now, he's in a difficult situation dealing with his contract and all that sort of stuff and I respect that, uh, however uh, you know, I need a committed team, and if we're going to if we're going to overachieve and get to a World Cup, I need a group of players that are committed uh, to the cause. So, so that's that. I, you know, 
Winston slightly different in the in the fact that you know Winston's made he's made himself available for this this tournament. Um, I've been in lengthy conversations with him. Um, the, the only the the thing that we've we've come to a decision about is the fact that he's missed you know more than 20 games through injury this season. He's an important player to us. It would be a huge risk to bring him here, and and his club have allowed him to come, but only for the duration of the window. So he missed the semi-final and the final, and, and just to bring him all the way after all that season of injuries and problems to just play in the group games just didn't make sense to us. And, and really, I think um, if we can get him recovered and, uh, and get the best out of him next year, leading up to our, our main qualifier, that, that that'll be really good for us. And 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 also uh, we. We've got a group of players here more than capable of going there and doing the job. Going forward, is Tommy uh, going to be back in the team or are you are you comfortable with the group you've got going forward that you no, don't need no, Tommy? No, it, it, it's... No, the answer to the question is no. I, I've made my decision and, and, and the reason is it has to be an honour to play for mm. New Zealand and uh, I want players that absolutely want to die to play for their country and, and die to go to a World Cup and uh, th- this is why I've made this decision because now, because we've had the period of, of looking at players and um, you know we've had we've had lots of drama we've had lots of eligibility we've had all lots of things being thrown thrown around and but that's all done now and uh, now 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 it's time to get serious about representing New Zealand and going to a World Cup and so it's nothing personal um, but out of respect for the rest of the team and the rest of the players um, I want to build a, I want to build a team that is, is together and uh, and has standards and, and that's that's why we're doing this there are a number of people that were sort of unavailable I suppose could you give us an idea of how many people exactly weren't unavailable well we got you know Ryan Thomas is having an, he's got a knee injury um, that's on knee injury he's having an operation on his knee at the end of the season um, Storm Rue, as we all know, had a really bad injury. You know, he's a key player. Declan Wins had a problem with his groin. Um, you know, sort of four or five there that, that are out uh, through injury. So, but that's that's sort of we're used to that now. Um, but this is the first time I've ever had a squad that I'm happy with from one to twenty-three, and uh, I'm really happy with comfortable with whoever plays as well. Yeah. So that mix that you've got of experience and youth, um, you feel as though can get you through this RC Nations Cup? Uh, 100%, and, and with with the utmost respect to our opposition, because I know it's not going to be easy. In, in fact, it's not not only is it not going to be easy, it's going to be a really real real tough challenge, um, and and we we are under no illusions about that. Um, but uh, with you know, with humility, you know, I, you know, it's not as if we, we just think we're better than everyone. But I do believe we've got a, a team more than capable of going there. If we do everything right, prepare right, we have our, our heads right, um, that we can go there and get the job done. That's Anthony Hudson talking to Matt Chatterton. Making the switch from the laser to fin class has paid dividends for New Zealand sailor Josh Junior, although it hasn't been easy. Junior and laser sailor Sam Meach have been added to the New Zealand Olympic team, bringing the sailing team total to 12 after the initial group was named in March. The 26-year-old junior missed out on selection for the London Olympics when he was competing in the laser, so he decided to move upper class in the hope of reaching Rio. He told Stephen Hewson how he celebrated. It's been going on for a few months or, you know, a few years really. And, yeah, huge sense of relief to have got the selection and, you know, just really stoked actually, <laughs> really, really happy. I went out with a few of my mates and had a bit of a big night, had a big dinner and a few drinks and just celebrated amongst some friends, so that was really nice. 
and yeah, huge sense of relief to have got the selection and, you know, just really stoked actually. <laughs> really, really happy. And Andrew Murdoch, you've edged him out. You you've got the same coach, haven't you? Yeah, we've shared the coach same coach for the last few years and we've worked together for a lot of that time. So yeah, it'll be a shame not to have him around, but I guess, you know, in another year's time he might come back and we can train again. Yeah, I imagine he's a little bit gutted. I don't know, I haven't thought too much about it. I'm just pretty happy with my own sort of success in making it. So, you know, I'm really pleased and, um, you know, hopefully he comes back and we race again for next time around. Your form over the past 12 months, you've really taken a step up, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, uh, this year I've managed to finish in the top five at every event, so, and even managed to win one, which is really cool. So that's really good leading into the Olympics. So just got to keep progressing in the same direction and then, you know, see where things see where things stand come the come the last day, and whether I can win a medal or not. So that's the goal. How difficult has it been changing classes? Because you were you were chasing a different class to get to London, weren't you? And you've switched in the interim. Yeah, yeah. So in 2012, I switched classes, and and the biggest difference is that this boat's bigger, so I had to put on about 15 or 20 kilos. You know, that's probably the biggest difference, and then you just have to learn how to sail the boat. So putting on the weight was the hardest part, but for me it wasn't too hard because I was already too big for the other class. So it was a natural progression for me to move into this. So so did that give you an opportunity to, what, you had to hit the gym or you had to hit the, the takeaway outlets? Yeah, I'm more of the takeaway outlets kind of guy, but <laughs> I have been doing gym as well. <laughs> a couple of regattas. You, recently you've you've been going into the last round. You, you've been sort of a, in a top three spot, then sort of dropped away a, a little bit. Is that something you're, you're working on or concerned about? Uh, not too much at this stage. Um, you know, I managed to finish off two regattas ago. I won, and I bet the bet Giles Scott, who's the favourite. So it's the first time he's been beaten in four years. So. I was the first person to do that, so I was pretty happy with that. But yeah, I know I just need to keep progressing and keep working on the areas that are weakest for me. And so, you know, if I step up in some of those areas, then I'll become more and more metal potential. So, you know, just keep working hard and see where things stand. So has that win over Joel Scott made people sit up and take notice of you somewhat? Yeah, I think I've always been on the radar, but that was definitely a big win. So, you know, need to do it once more at a more important event <laughs> come Rio. How much development do you need to do? You mentioned you've got some areas you need to work on. What what in particular do you look to develop between now and August? Oh, probably my biggest weakness is sort of the lighter air sailing, so when the wind is down quite light. So I'll continue to work on that, and it's mainly around just my technique in the boat and how I how I sail it and how I trim the sails and how I steer the boat through the water. So there's just a few things around that that I could improve on and get a little bit faster. And what impact does that have for, for Rio? Conditions there, what what uh, you're into, are you anticipating? Rio's, it's going to be a bit tricky. You could get a little bit of anything, but it's likely to be sort of moderate winds for most of the event, and we might get one light day and one windy day. And, um, you know, we're expecting a lot of current in the water, a lot of tide and some big waves. So it's going to be a really mixed event, and it's going to be an event that rewards someone who's a well-rounded sailor, not necessarily a specialist, so someone who's good across everything. And you think being a, that all-round type of sailor, that's going to suit you, is it? Yeah, that's going to suit me, absolutely. Sailor Josh Jr. talking to Stephen Hewson. Gymnast Courtney McGregor celebrated her Olympic selection by doing handstands around the lounge. 
The 17-year-old is one of three gymnasts, along with men's artistic gymnast Mikhail Kudinov and trampolinist Dylan Schmidt, named for the Rio Olympic team. It's the biggest gymnastics team New Zealand has sent to an Olympics in over 50 years. Checkpoint's John Campbell spoke to her about her selection. In primary school, whenever they would ask me what I wanted to be when I grow up, I always said an Olympic gymnast, so definitely from a really young age I uh, had the dream of and going to the Olympics. Who inspired you? Um, well, definitely the likes of Nadia Comaneci and um, when I was growing up, when I was younger, um, the USA gymnast Nastia Lukin and all the, Olympi- all the Olympians, really. Yeah, because the point is that we don't have a huge tradition of Olympic gymnasts in New Zealand. So you had to do a hell of a lot of this yourself, right? You had to pay for your own coaching, travel for coaching, raise money, do all the kinds of things that you would never have to do if you were going to make the US Olympic team. Yeah, definitely. Um, Over the years, I've travelled to Singapore, um, the United States, Australia, Canada, Europe, all over Europe, um, Doha. (laughs) Yeah, and it's all self-funded, so... Yeah, we've had to raise a lot of money and, yeah, my parents have put in a lot of hard work and, yeah, it's incredible. (laughs) When you say it was self-funded, your mum and dad stumped up for that, right? And then you actually had to do give a little and desperately try to get money from wherever you could. Yeah, so um, 99% of it, yeah, mum and dad had to find and then, yeah, we got more through um, the give a little page and some local grants and things like that, but yeah, most of it, mum and dad. (laughs) So how did you tell your mum and dad you made the team? How did you find out and how did you tell them you'd made it? Um, So I got, we had a FaceTime call actually with um, the CEO of Gym Sports New Zealand and mum was there with me, Um, dad was at work, but yeah, mum was there with me and it was really exciting, but um, we weren't allowed to tell anyone for a few days, so (laughs) it was a bit hard, but yeah. It was really exciting. And what was your mum's reaction? Um, we kind of screamed and shouted and hugged each other. <laughs> yeah, it was really exciting. Are your parents going to be able to go with you to Rio? Will they be there in the stands to watch you compete? Um, I'm not sure yet. It's definitely um, accommodation and things like that over there are really expensive. But um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, how many hours a day do you train? Uh, so it's about 30 hours a week. Um, a couple of days a week we do double training, so seven hours a day, um, and the other days four hours. So, yeah, a lot of training. <laughs> and what about schooling and all, the, and all your study and your homework and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, so for the last few years I've been doing correspondence school um, for my schooling, so that helps me fit in the gym. So you are a remarkable young woman, aren't you? Because this is not like trying to be an all-black or a silver fern or whatever, where there are lots of people around you trying to do the same thing and there is a huge culture of it in this country. This has just been your private, individual ambition, hasn't it? You've just driven yourself. Um, Yeah, I've had a lot of support from um, the club. I'm at Christchurch School of Gymnastics and mum and dad and family and friends and coaches, but, yeah, it's definitely... Um, we don't get a lot of recognition in gymnastics and it's, yeah, all we really see is rugby and netball and sort of the the big sports, but yeah, it's awesome that we're getting some recognition now with three, three athletes going to the Olympics, it's yeah, incredible. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. What happened to your gym after the um, earthquakes? Um, so it was closed for a while and then um, half of it 
we have like two gyms that are joined together now, but there was an old half and then there's the newer half. Um, the old, oh, the older gym was closed off for a while because they were doing some repairs on that, so it's temporarily <laughs> fixed now, so we can use all of it. But yeah, it was definitely a trying time <laughs> during and, and the earthquakes. <laughs> so where did you go and train during that period? Um, so we did a couple of training camps. We went up to Blenheim for a bit, and then. Um, there's a gym out at Rangiora that we trained in for a bit as well. <laughs> and and who would take you out there? Because for a lot of that period, you were too young to drive, right? Yes. So again, mum and dad. Or uh, we have a carpool, a bit of a carpool group with um, some girls that live near me. So yeah, we'd travel out there together. <laughs> Courtney, can you describe in the seconds as you stand at the end of your run, preparing to run and vault? What's going on in your head? Are you removing everything or are you really focusing on something? What's happening? Um, I think right before I vault, I'm just taking a deep breath and not really thinking about anything. Um, I know what I, well, my body knows what to do and I know what to do, so I just have to stand there and um, take a deep breath, really. <laughs> are you excited? You're excited about the fact that you're going to do that in Rio, that you're going to vault in Rio, that you have made it to the Olympics? Yeah, it's super exciting. I can't wait for the whole Olympic experience, um, like the village and meeting all of the other New Zealand athletes. And yeah, it's going to be so much fun. And what's the message you take from this? Because you dreamt you could do it, you worked to do it, and you've done it. Yeah, it's definitely, um, you can do anything that you set your mind to. It takes a lot of hard work, but it's definitely worth it. Gymnast Courtney McGregor talking to John Campbell. And that's extra time for this week. You can get in touch with us via Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.